you like bands like Voodoo Gross Call, The Willem Scream, Mute, Implant, Darko, Police, Cigar, Tsunami Bound, Big Ten, The Kids Table, Adrenalize, Friends All Round, Dead by Stereo, Belvedere, Bracket, Dead Fucking Last, Much the Same, and many more? Are you obsessed with band merch like I am? <laughs> if yes, press pause on this episode and go on EpicMerchStore.com. Uh, you can check their website while listening to this episode. <laughs> But yeah, EpicMerchStore.com offers t-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, hats, and kids' merch for more than 230 punk rock, ska, metal, and hardcore bands from all around the world. They offer many colors and sizes, and you'll get a flat rate worldwide shipping cost. Yeah, go get your merch at EpicMerchStore.com. Hello, punk rockers. Salut les punk. What's up? Welcome to the Punk Rocket Show, episode 23. I hope you're feeling amazing today. My name is Emilie Plamondon. I'm from Canada, and it's a pleasure to be your host once again. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the Blasting Room. Do you know that a documentary is going to be released about it in the next few months? Well, I interviewed Aaron Pendergast, the producer. I will also make you two recommendations for the band Latte Plus from Italy and bad advice from US and Germany. Yes, two countries, why not? <laughs> I'm also going to answer to a question from a Patreon about what makes a good live music venues for me and I'm gonna share your answers. Are you ready? It's starting now. Nobody likes Episode 23 and I'm still more amused by the punk rocket show. Who the hell is Amy Lee? <laughs> I think I'm gonna start every episode with a little song that I change the lyrics. <laughs> no, that I'm joking. I think it happened like three times in a row, right? <laughs> Who knows? I'm gonna try to find something for episode 24. I hope you are doing great today. And if you're not, like I always say, I hope this episode will make you smile just a little bit. So I went to my local record store last weekend and I bought Live Fast Diarrhea from the Vandals. I also bought Bad Brains. So it's two amazing new vinyl to have in a punk rock collection. Made me happy. I'm also super stoked about the new face-to-face -face song that was released a few days ago already. It's called No Way Out But Through. And I really love the bass a lot in this song. I love the intro, the The back vocals, Trevor's main vocal melody too, the whoa. I recognize them. It's perfect. I think the song is really dynamic, so I can't wait to hear the rest of the album. Oh, and by the way, we can pre-order it on the Fat Records website. I think they made a bundle for it. Yeah. Another good news I, I read a few days ago is that Emil and the Sniffer, an amazing band from Australia, are going to release a new album called Comfort to Me. And it's going to be out on September 10th via, I think it's Rough Trade Records. It's so great, this band. I love this band so much. I discovered them <laughs> when I was really tired. I think I was about to nap or something. I was in my bed and I was crawling the hashtag punk on Instagram and I saw a post like it was a live show and I was like what this is so good and I remember like I was sitting on my bed really quickly like what <laughs> Amy is such a great front woman it's crazy wow and they released a music video for their new song guided by angels the song is great and the video is also really fucking amazing I also want to welcome the new Patreons, Casey and Norm. It's fun. 
Why? Because we have like eight Patreons now. <laughs> That's great. It's a good crowd. So Casey and Norm, they both are from Ontario, Canada. Casey loves skate punk, garage punk, hardcore bands. And he's a descendant, the Muffs, Hour of Wolf fan. I don't know this band, Hour of the Wolf. I'm gonna check them for sure. He's playing guitar in a lot of bands like Angry Spells, Heavy Petter, The Speed Arms. And he also has a label called Tarantula Tapes. He puts out punk bands on cassette. I love this. Welcome on board. And Norm, his first connection to punk rock came from the Hamilton punk scene. He started with Teenage Head and the Forgotten Rebels. And now he's a big fan of the bands Misconduct and Anti Queens. He likes his cat and working with horses in the weekends. That's great. Aww. Speaking of the Patreons, I asked them if they had some questions for me that I could answer on the episodes. And this week, I have a great question from Matt. He's asking me, what in your view makes a great live music venue? Hmm, that's a good question. A good venue for me is a not too big venue, so we can feel like home. I love also when we can get to know the owners and they show up in shows, they can talk with the crowd. I think it adds a lot to the family vibe, you know. I also love when the owners of the venues also promote and book by themselves. So people can make repunctations of bands who could play there. It's also super important for me that they allow people to make stage dive, mush pits, etc. Even if I personally don't go in the mush pits, I only stage dived once. But I love to see people do, even if I stay <laughs> in the on the side of the stage safely and I enjoy the show there. I love to see the crowd's energy. It's so important for me. So they should allow to the, the fans to have proximity with the band. I think more venues should make a loud statement about offering a safe space for women, for LGBTQ communities, for indigenous people, people of color, for everyone. And I think this should be improved a lot in probably like 95% of the, the venues in the world. A good venue is also a place to take actions if they know that someone has abusive behaviors in the crowd. They should have also a good choices of craft local beers and unalcoholic beverages too. Good venues and promoters should also, of course, pay the bands <laughs> fairly, provide food, decent space to rest. They should also put an amazing playlist between the bands and, uh, if possible, a place where we can sing karaoke after the show. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm picky, right? Oh, but you're picky as well, because I asked you the exactly same questions on my Instagram stories and you answered almost all the same thing I just said. The most popular answer was, we need to feel home. And I know it's so important, right? When there's no worldwide pandemic, I love to travel. And every time I travel, I try to go to see some shows wherever it is. And uh, I, when I enter a venue, I immediately know if I feel home or not. 
And oh, I totally forgot that, but a lot of you told me that for them it's it's important to have stickers and posters everywhere. And it's so true, and I really want to do that in my home studio here where I'm recording this right now. I should do that. Yeah, give me some posters. <laughs> A lot of you also told me that. <laughs> I'm not sure I agree with this one, but I, I know what you mean. <laughs> so a lot of you said that the toilets have to be gross. <laughs> so gross that women have to squat to pee. Really? What the fuck? Well, I, I'm not sure if it truly had some fun, but okay, I respect that. <laughs> and someone else said it should have at least one broken toilet. <laughs> yeah. Mm -mm -mm. What else did you say? Oh yeah, affordable tickets. Hell yeah, it's really important. And beers under 10 bucks. <laughs> I hope so, damn it. Um, oh, someone said they love to feel the bass in their chest. So the sound is also important. Of course, the sound is important and you want to hear the show really clearly but i'm surprised that it's not a it's not the most popular answer so it's at, from what i understand from all our answers is that we just need to feel home we just need to feel good and have a good time okay let's pretend we travel to italy and we're arriving in a very great 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 venue to see the first band in the repunkmentation today repunkmentation so the first repunkmentation for today is for the band Latte Plus from Italy. I think they pronounce it Latte Piu, but it's written with a plus sign. So it's like Latte Plus. Uh, they are playing pop-up music. Uh, they have some Ramones influences, Teenage Bottle Rocket influences too. Let's listen to their song Waiting For You that we can find on their album Next to Rude, released about two years ago.
Oh, yeah. Interview. And now it's time to listen to the chat I had with Aaron Pendergast, the producer of the documentary about the Blasting Room. I was extremely enthusiastic because I love the work of the Blasting Room. I think it's a legend. I love Descendants and I really want to visit the Blasting Room someday. I have a mug. I have a Blasting Room mug. <laughs> and Aaron is super passionate. He and his team are working so hard on this movie. It's incredible. In this interview, we talked about the history of the Blasting Room, the people they interviewed for the film, the process of doing it, because it's a lot of research. Enjoy. Nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you. Thanks for yeah. having me on. Cheers. Look, look at my mug. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Uh, I do not have mine. I just have a, a regular mug. Uh, I'm drinking a nice tea. It's really, really, really uh, rainy today in Quebec. So it's a tea yeah. temperature, tea weather. That's good. Yeah, we've had uh, very hot days and finally a couple of cool ones. Oh, so I am, mm. uh, I mean, not like cold. It's just in the 70s instead of the 90s. So that's uh, a nice change. Oh, yeah. I don't know in Fahrenheit. Uh, in Celsius, oh. I mean. In Celsius. <laughs> it's eerie. <laughs> But yeah, I, I think it's cooler. <laughs> yeah, good. So I'm happy to have you today on the podcast. It's been a long time since I, I wanted to talk to you about the movie and the Blasting Room. So it's fun. Awesome. Glad to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I actually, I came across your podcast and I was like, oh. man, I hope one day we get to be on there. So uh, it's a mutual uh, excitement yeah. to be here. And I don't know much about the Blasting Room. I, I mean, I know a little history. I know a lot of albums that been recorded there but i i think it was a great opportunity to talk to you to learn more about it and probably i'm gonna learn a lot too while listening to you while watching your movie eventually <laughs> yeah definitely yeah the movie's um we're excited to, to put it out there it, it uh, was uh yeah took a bit too. to get it off the ground but yeah um, it's been it's been cool and it still like hasn't quite sunk in that i'm i'm actually getting to do it so cool But first of all, I, I want to know more about you. So uh, maybe you can tell me a little more about your uh, background with music, with producing movies. So just just talk to me about you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So yeah, I um, funnily enough, sorry, just a second. Oh no problem. Take your time so it doesn't distract me. No problem. Um, yeah, I know that. I know I have like four screen in front of me right now. <laughs> yeah. I get it. Well, and I, of course, my producers, uh, fellow producers, texting me about movie stuff right oh, now. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. Like, I'm on a podcast stop it <laughs> <laughs> fine don't worry um, so I um uh I grew up in Fort Collins actually where the blast room is located mm. um about mm, probably four or five miles from where the studio ended up um opening up oh and was always a fan of punk rock music so it was kind of that you know perfect um scenario where that studio opens in my hometown wow and then a friend of mine uh in like high school we had a ska band called the unsinkable Molly Brown and they were recording at the blasting room and they were very excited that they were recording at the descendant studio. And I had no idea what they were talking about. Oh, um, in what year? Friend, Because I think the blasting room started at the mid nineties. So what year was that approximately? Do you remember? Uh, so they, they started in 1994 yeah, okay. when it opened. Um, so these guys would have been recording there in probably 2001, 2002. Oh, okay. mm. So a little ways, um, later but uh that was a friend of mine i i didn't know what place they were talking about and then a different friend told me about 
said, you know, well, the Atari's recorded there. And I was like, the Atari's didn't record in Fort Collins. Get out of here. <laughs> and um, so then I went home and opened up my liner notes for um, uh, Look Forward to Failure, uh, an EP they did there. And sure enough, it had Blast Room in Fort Collins, Colorado. So then it was just from then on, it was this crazy, like, how are all these cool bands making records in like my shitty hometown? You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, no offense to Fort Collins, but if you grow up in a town, you kind of have to like not uh-huh. like it, right? So um I uh it was just kind of a place that was always there in the back of my mind. And mm-hmm. um with the film stuff, I started making documentaries in 2009. Oh, okay. So uh, when a friend of mine recent. was injured in mm-hmm. um Afghanistan and I did a kind of a documentary about his experience. Oh. And uh he was someone that when I told people about him, they're like, This guy's fascinating. You should do a story about him. So that's how I got started on it. Um and so I've been doing documentary films for um, almost 12 years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, this will be my third feature film. So oh. I'd done two with another friend and uh, he'd kind of done these. He was a ranch kid, grew up in South Dakota. So his movies were about stories that were central to like the ranch community in South Dakota and all that. And I realized that garnered him a lot of favor when he was making these movies. People were like, oh, you're like one of us, right? Yeah. Um, so when I was looking at doing my own feature, I said, okay, what's like a scene that I'm a part of in a place that I'm from? And mm. the blasting room was just kind of the perfect combination of those yeah. things. Yeah. So you decided to put all of this together, all your passions together. Great. Exactly. Yeah. Before we talked more about the movie, um, mm-hmm. for the listener who are not really familiar with the blasting room, can you just make a brief history of it? How did it start? Who started it? And like, maybe we could talk a little about the, all the great albums that were uh, a part of this amazing place. It's because for me, it seems like legendary, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It is. It's one of those places you, you look at their client list and you're just like, how have, how have all of these bands Yeah. had a connection to this one place is, yeah, is exactly. pretty surprising. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the background, basically, um, the descendants were the descendants and then Milo went to college. So they reformed as all essentially, yeah. which was all of them, but different singers over the years. Mm-hmm. And um, their record label gave them an advance for recording, which is pretty standard. And they decided to take that advance and build a studio instead of renting a studio space. Oh. Um, yeah. The thought being that they would have um, a place to record and practice and do all that. And they wouldn't have to like always worry about paying for it. They wanted to be independent and do like super DIY. Exactly. Oh, and that okay. was, I mean, growing up as part of the descendants, they were used to that DIY thing, right? Like printing their own show flyers and their yeah. own shirts and uh, they'd never had a label backing them. So this was kind of like the next logical step for them yeah. to make a space mm-hmm. to do that. Totally. Um, So they opened up the place and they they had all these friends, musicians, local musicians that um, as, like before it was even finished, wanted to come and make a record there. Um, so it just kind of, you know, almost immediately caught fire with yeah. within their little community of like, we want to come make a, a record with the guys from the Descendants and all. Yeah, it was the 90s. So the punk rock uh, wave of, of skate punk from California was super big. Uh, ska was increasing. So it was a perfect timing, I guess, in, back in the days in the 90s. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you think about it, like that was, you know, 1994, you had Green Day release Dookie and hit the radio and it was like the pop punk was coming yeah, into yeah, kind yeah. of the mainstream. Totally. So the timing was great. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's dispute over who recorded there first. Um, Some people say it was a band called Alligator Gun. Some people say it was Hagfish. Um, 
There's a third band that I'm forgetting. I was trying like all week to remember who oh. that third band was. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, yeah, there, it's, there's really no definitive answer on who, who was the first to record there. I'm on Wikipedia right now. <laughs> Yeah. 1995, I see Pommel and uh, 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 no, all, yeah, Pommel from all, Engfish. But yeah, and it's, that's, but it's Wikipedia, like if, if you know. It, <laughs> I feel like they probably recorded there first, right? But maybe not. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, good. Um, but yeah, it, uh, so that's when it started. And then just as, you know, because they were, you know, Bill was in the Descendants and Black Flag and mm -hmm. all yeah. and everything else. Uh, a lot of bands knew about him and had started hearing about the studio. And I mean, again, that this was the '90s, so you had the internet, but a very like basic yeah. form of it, not like yeah, you know it's very today. basic. Yeah, I was one of my. Uh, I want. I was the first of all my friends to have internet back in the days, and it was like in 1987, and it was really like basic. Oh my God. So <laughs> got some memories now <laughs> uh, yeah so it was hard to get in info informations at this time even if internet was yeah available but right so they and that was the thing so they didn't even do they've never really done any advertising it's all all their businesses come from contacts their their friends and mm. bands and people just spreading the word and mm -hmm. i mean they uh, in the early days of the studio they actually bought a printing like a shirt making printing press thing and like made all their tour shirts and stuff out of there so i mean they were the places like that embodiment of diy punk rock um like everything about it uh, all the add-ons they've done they've built out themselves and they'll have contractors wow. come in and do like electrical and things that they should <laughs> not be doing if they don't know how to do it right but uh, most of it is them just figuring out how to do it on their own and um it's it's crazy to think um the first time i was ever in the studio was in 2019 when we oh. first started like really making this movie so to hear about what it looked like you know in 1994 yeah. like it's so hard to picture yeah and what gave you the idea of doing a documentary you you talked about your passion for punk rock for producing but what was your first intention with this movie this film um I, the, the thing that really inspired it, so I, I kind of touched on it a little earlier with my other friend, and I was trying to think of something that I was part of a community in and something that like, you know, selfishly, because I still live in Colorado, just not mm -hmm. in Fort Collins, um, something that was like a little closer and easier to shoot on like not a huge budget, because I'm also, you know, this is like an independent mm -hmm. film type thing where I don't get paid. I'm not expecting to really make any money off oh. of it. It's just because I love doing it, you yeah, know? Yeah, it's a real so, passion. Um, <laughs> the convenience was like a good aspect. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but essentially I was uh, sitting at home one night watching, trying to think of what movie I could do in Colorado. Mm -hmm. I was watching sound city and, um, I love the first like two thirds of the movie. And then the last third, when it's just like Dave Grohl inviting all his famous oh. friends over to make a record, I was like, ah, you kind of lost me now. Like I don't, it's still cool, but it's less cool, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, I, that got me thinking like, well, there's gotta be like a punk rock DIY, version of this place and and then the other part of me is like i've always um i don't like when something like especially with music when it's not mainstream people think it doesn't matter or it doesn't yeah. exist like uh i went to a less than jake show and i had a coworker. uh this was like 2017 and she was like you went to a less than jake show in 2017 i was like yeah because yeah. they're a great band why yeah. would i not go <laughs> um and it was that like that got me thinking too, like people, this music's important to people, even if it's not 
you know, millions and millions and millions of people like, a, mm -hmm. you know, Taylor Swift or something, you still have like tens of thousands of people who care about this and who this music's important to. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of the other thing in the back of my mind. So all of that kind of came together and, and then that like light switch clicked on that, oh, the blasting rooms in Fort Collins, maybe there hasn't been a movie done about them yet. Like yeah. this is kind of the perfect opportunity. So Wow. So you started working on it, I think, like, uh, yeah, in 2018, 19, you said? Uh, 20, I think the initial idea came in 2018. Oh. Um, and then we didn't really start it until 2019. Yeah. And um, then COVID. And then that was like that <laughs> summer. Oh, sorry. And then COVID arrived. So we probably right. had to adjust your planning. <laughs> yeah, that's really thrown off. So the, the original timeline of this, we were supposed to start at like end of 2019, be wrapped with production by summer of 2020, and then release the movie early this year. Oh. And none of that obviously no. came <laughs> Yeah, um, but I can understand. It's not like procrastination. It's like pandemic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It definitely <sighs> threw a, a wrench in the work. So we were fortunate enough, though, like when we first started, um, Rise Against was recording Nowhere Generation there. Mm -hmm. So we got to hang out at the studio and shoot with them. Oh, um, nice. And so there was some, uh, you know, the new uh, Teenage Bottle Rocket yeah. album that's coming out. We got to hang out with those guys while they were making that. So like the it's been a, a gift and a curse um, having the delayed timeline means we've had the opportunity to sit down with more bands at the studio than we would have otherwise. Yeah. Um, the other advantage is my fellow producer, Kevin Kirchner. Um, it's, he's really the reason this thing's happening. Um, he's been their unofficial official videographer at the studio for oh, okay. like 18, 19 years. Oh, wow. so he has just oh. tons and tons of footage over yeah. the years of all the different bands. Yeah. Because I wanted to know, how did you prepare before shooting? Uh, because you, you had to probably research, you had, like you said, try to find some footage interview. So how did you plan everything before starting? That was um that it's, was good. You could add I mean, it, so it many hard, things. Yeah. Oh sorry. Oh I said because you could choose so many things to include in this documentary because there's so many bands, so many great albums, so many angles you could bring. So yeah. I'm oh, curious. Oh for sure. And that was I think the the hard thing, right, was like looking at the list, we had to accept like out of the gate we're going to miss somebody's favorite band. Like there's yeah. going to be comments online that are like, oh. why didn't you interview this band or that band? <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, but it's just, you can't get them all right. Like there's no. so many bands. True. Um, and, and it's just not realistic, especially again no. with this, like we don't have a ton of money, so it's who we can afford to actually get realistically. And um, which is why we're going to try to crowdfund it here. Um, probably end yeah. of July. Yeah, we're I would talk about that too. Yeah, with I, I really want to talk about that. It's super important. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that in a minute. I'll I'll keep going on the <laughs> like how we figured it. So I I basically I kind of came up with a list of bands. Okay. That I thought were good. That would be a good mix of like, like well-known popular bands, but then mm -hmm. also kind of the like smaller. Um, local bands and then kind of the mid-range bands just so we get a little bit of everybody in yeah there. i like that um, yeah and then we went to the studio and kind of gave them our list and then they kind of modified it with oh. some of their their picks where they're like oh you really got it like these guys are really good friends of ours oh, okay. uh, they're a big part of our story so um, we tried to prioritize bands that had made a lot of records there they had mm -hmm. a lot of exposure there yeah it's an important part of it anyway so yeah 
Makes right, sense. exactly. And then just to see like the, they could speak to the changes over the years and how it's evolved and, and how the studio's changed. Um, and then I think too, the interesting approach with this particular movie is usually when you see these studio docs, the studio's like gone or closing or something. Mm. And that's not the case with this one. They're still like functional and making records and doing doing their thing. So yeah. uh, it's it's a different perspective on the studio doc, I think as well. So hopefully it'll be something fresh and new for everybody. Mm. Did you have a lot of research to do it uh, beside making band lists? Did you have to read about them, read about the records, even if you probably knew a lot already? But I did. There was some research involved. The, the hard part was I couldn't find a whole lot online. So like yeah. my, my first place was uh, watching filmage and just seeing like how much did they cover about the studio in that movie? Because if they spend a lot of time talking about oh, it, yeah. there may not be a point making one. Um, and they don't talk about it hardly at all. So that was the... The win. Um, they mention it, but it's not a part of the story. Yeah. Um, and then with again with Kevin being around the studio for so long, he mm. was kind of the once he and I got connected, mm. um, he knew everything. So it was a lot of us just meeting and talking about the history of the studio, important people that that the non musicians that were mm -hmm. part of the studio's history and helped to put things together. That's an, an, a big important part of it. And then looking at the the wider impact of it, right? Mm -hmm. Because you, if you just interview like the staff and the bands, they're all going to have good things to say about it, right? Yeah. So we need to get somebody who's not like paid to think it's a cool place to mm -hmm. talk about its importance. Otherwise, it's all just self-serving. Yeah. Um, so that was the other piece: was how do we find um, and what angle do we try to to approach mm -hmm. with the non uh, non clientele or staff side of of the story. Um, So that's been oh. an interesting challenge. Uh, we've we've identified a number of people. We're still working on a few. But... Oh, yeah, good. And so yeah. far, who did you interview and why you chose them? And like I saw some um, posts you made on the Instagram about Joey Cape, about like uh, Rise Again. So yeah, can oh, you yeah. tell me a little Definitely. more about Joey Cape? Was that was a funny one? Um, yeah, we were in California shooting interviews in May. And um, he had messaged me on Instagram and said, hey, can, can uh, Lagwagon be in your movie? And I was ah! like, of course you guys can be in the movie. Uh, uh, let me think. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, And then he just happened to be in Colorado like the next week. Oh, cool. So we were just met him at the studio and shot an interview. Um, and that's been kind of the funny thing about this is a lot of this has come together yeah. in like that kind of way where things just you know, happen or whatever, because people, someone knows someone and mm -hmm. they get put in a call and next thing you know, we're, we're talking to them. So it's been great. But, um, sorry, I'm just looking at my cheat oh, sheet here. Yeah, sure. So we've, <laughs> you we've had a lot. So <laughs> I saw a big list. So I'm like, yeah, need to remind yeah. all of them. <laughs> and a lot of them, uh, we have commitments. Like we've talked to people about being in the movie, especially during COVID. We use mm -hmm. that time to like contact bands and get yeah. interest from them and and that but uh now it's just a matter of like mm. finding the time and the, the resources to get out and actually do their interviews uh so we'll be going to like uh punk and drublick here in uh denver next month and yeah. um uh punk rock bowling and fest oh, yeah. uh so we'll be going to some of those big punk fests to do some interviews and be yeah, and stuff good move yeah. um yeah. But yeah, so right now we've got all the studio staff. So Bill mm -hmm. and Jason and Chris and Andrew and all them. Um, we got uh, Brent Loveday from Reno Divorce. Um, they're a Denver-based band. They're a lot of fun. Um, Felipe Patino, who's a former intern at the studio and has his own recording studio called mm -hmm. Green Door Recordings here mm -hmm. in uh, Inglewood. Um, 
And then just from the band side, uh, Carl from the Descendants, of course, uh, he was one of the people that helped build the place in yeah. the first place. So had to get him. Uh, we got Milo, um, oh, wow. Tim and Zach from Rise Against. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Uh, Chuck Reagan from Hot Water Music. Oh, yeah, we sat sure. down with two of the members from Audio Karate. Um, Yotam from Useless ID. Uh, let's see. Oh, very interesting. Uh, Ray from Teenage Bottle Rocket. Um, so oh. yeah, it's it's good. Uh, it's been a lot of people, um, and there's still a lot more to do. We're probably only about halfway through the interviews we'd like to shoot. Um, yeah, and I don't want any spoilers. But what kind of question did you ask them? Like the process of recording there, or yeah, a lot of it's like, especially if bands have recorded other places, because you kind of have a mix of bands, right? Like with Hot Water Meat, well. Yeah, how our music's a good example. They recorded at a bunch of different places. Um, so they can kind of provide that perspective of mm -hmm. what's different at the blasting room. But then with other bands who've done like all of their records there, they don't really have Yeah, it's interesting. That same, you know, to them, it's like this is just how you make a record. Um, so it's interesting to kind of compare those experiences with people. Yeah. Like for example, Lagwagon recorded some with Ryan Green. Mm -hmm. back in the 90s and they recorded uh, the blasting room too but so yes. they can have insights about uh comparing both something like that probably yeah exactly like the different mm -hmm. approach right because each each studio is going to have their own way of kind of like putting a record together like mm -hmm. working with bill is a very unique experience from the sound of things compared to some other people um but the kind of the the gist what we're we're following is like the you know, punk rock is kind of like a big family, right? Yeah. Um, and so it's that how they keep that family and DIY vibe mm. um, alive and make it part of the recording process. Wow. Yeah, because um, from my sp perspective, uh, the Blasting Room is way more than just a, record, a recording studio and engineers. Like, like I said, it's legendary, but because they're probably is some kind of very family spirit there family vibe yeah definitely it it is so, uh it's something that transcends mm. the space like bill um when they were recording with audio karate he came out to california uh, i think they were in oxnard i can't remember anyway he went out to california to um uh meet the band and do like a week of pre-production with them before they came to the studio wow. and they were staying at like Gabe's house or something and or Jason's Aww. house and his mom made him breakfast every morning <laughs> and so now like she still sends him tamales every Christmas like <laughs> that's great yeah so I mean it's that kind of I think there's something to that where you know we talk I mean being a creative as well with the film space it is like when you know somebody like when you have a, a deeper connection with someone you can be mm -hmm. more honest with them when something isn't working or yeah you know what have you and and a lot of studios it's the engineers like they're getting paid by the hour so whatever if you want to do a hundred takes, they'll do a hundred takes. If it's yeah. good enough, they'll move on. It's, you know, they, but it feels like they have this, and that's not to say that engineers don't care about what they do, but no, I think no, there's I, a, you mm -hmm. know, there is something about like having a connection, like a real connection with the people you're working with, knowing that you're, you're getting the best product that you can. And probably the footage you were talking to me about that, uh, Kevin, his name, yes. he already has, you probably see what you ask them, you know, like you probably see this uh this uh, vibe sorry my english is bad today i just had a nap before <laughs> and when i wake up for a nap i'm like my english is like starting to zero <laughs> no problem <laughs> yeah so so you could compare what they told you in the interview with like the footage you you got from kevin 
Yeah, definitely. And you can see, Great. I mean, you definitely see it in that, that footage. You see that process, you see like Bill and the rest of the staff and all the rise guys like sitting on the floor in the B room, just like talking through songs and like talking out notes and deciding what, wow. what's going to make the cut and what isn't. And um, it's just, yeah, it's cool to see there how they do things. And um, they, they certainly, I don't know if they are the only studio that does it, but they kind of pioneered this process of um, they work in like a, like a cyclical fashion. So mm -hmm. if like, they're doing drums in the a room as soon as that like that's done it gets passed to you know the next person to start mixing it and then in the b room while they're doing drums they're doing like you know bass and vocals or something oh. so they're they're always working something and kind of moving it around the studio so they can get a lot more done in a lot less time because it's like all hands on deck and everything's working at at the same time hmm. um so it's an interesting process. And I think from what they've said, more and more places have started doing that because they realize it's a more efficient way mm -hmm. to make a record, particularly if you don't have like a huge budget to make a record. Wow. So it's also a venue, right? Like with live shows? Um, it is not. They are just uh, just a studio. Oh, because I because my boyfriend bought this mug at a Rise Against show, Descendants, and I think there was a Widom Scream like two years ago. I yes, thought... that was probably the 25th anniversary uh, show. So that yeah, was at exactly. Washington's oh. um, down. Uh, it's like a mile or two from the studio. Okay. It's not too far. I wonder uh, where this venue was located. I thought it might be like a venue they like affiliated or like part of the, like close to the, the studio. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Really close. And there, I mean, the, the Four Collins music scene is very like integrated and connected so mm -hmm. you know everybody kind of knows everybody so it it wasn't too i'm sure it wasn't too hard to like coordinate all that we were actually there shooting the show that night so oh, i wish i could have been there i was like i can't believe i'm not there <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it was a lot of fun it was a good show i mean it was it, the downside i didn't get to enjoy it as much because i was working you were so working I the camera and, yeah i get it know, a nice. little little too uh invested in that to like really enjoy the show but yeah um, had to it was cool to be there keep your producer eyes on this on this show great and um we were uh you, you talked a little about the release date that was postponed of course but now do you have a better idea when it could be released because i'm excited i want to see that <laughs> yeah i'm we were we were really hoping to try to get it out like late this year mm -hmm. um but just again with the COVID stuff like everything keeps taking longer than we think it will to get you know, like I didn't get fully vaccinated until like mid-May. So I had my second shot end of April, but technically it's like two weeks yeah, until two you're weeks. like clear. Yeah, um, I'll I'll have mine then, on July 24th. It oh. takes a long time here in Quebec and Canada. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, so we, we've got the, the vaccination thing held us up and mm -hmm. then we were held up on some like design work for the Kickstarter stuff. So that's been kind of a, a to do and then with all the punk rock fests that are actually happening later this year we thought those would be great places to hit and do yeah interviews. like you so said like that's gonna push us back even further so yeah. we're probably looking at early next year plus um, i would like to yeah. have it out by like april may next year and after that but, you're gonna have to choose all the all what you're gonna keep in all those interviews that's gonna be hard because how long will the movie be do you know like um, we're shooting for around 90 minutes. It'll probably be plus or minus that okay. uh, by a little bit. Um, we've got, I mean, that's kind of the other nice thing with the 
I shouldn't mm-hmm. say nice, but I guess somewhat advantageous thing with the pandemic mm-hmm. was um, what we had shot, we could start actually like going through and picking over and finding out the the best, you know, clips from the interviews. Oh, and, sure. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Kevin could start digging through hard drives and finding, going through all his yeah. archives of, you know, t- almost 20 years of footage and everything. <laughs> so. That's a huge job. <laughs> Definitely. So it is nice that we've got kind of, we're tag teaming it. Like I'm on all the new stuff and he's on all the old stuff. So yeah. Um, and you were talking about crowdfunding. Uh, you talked to me about a vinyl. So do you want to talk about it? Like, yeah, yeah, definitely. I feel like we can, we can probably mention this safely now. So we, we worked with the studio. Um, we were trying to figure out like something cool we could offer people, um, mm-hmm. but we can't um, like, you know, licensing, paying for music, especially for distribution would be very yeah. expensive. So Uh, we figured out we could do a vinyl as like a promotion with the Kickstarter. So it'll be a, a limited edition double vinyl record. Um, mm. We're going to do a standard black and colored version. Ah. And we'll have, uh, it's a compilation of uh, curated by the Blasting Room staff. So they picked all the music for it. And we'll have a, um, a Wilhelm Scream song called Diver that was only on a seven inch. It was oh. only ever released on a seven inch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we'll have an exclusive Descendants song that won't be available anywhere else. So I love this. <laughs> and uh, that's going to be the, the rest of the track list is mostly decided. I can't remember everything off the okay, top of my head, but um, those should be, uh, the, it'll be limited to uh, a set number. We're still trying to decide on how many we'll have of it, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be probably more than like five or 600 total copies. So, wow. and only available through this campaign. Uh, we can't sell them. We can't Mm-hmm. do anything else with them so that's the only way to get it's, it is through this kickstarter it's really to help financing 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 the the movie yeah sorry so it's, it's for it's really crowdfunding vinyl it's only to help and oh, i love exactly. this so it's gonna be so we'll do and it will be i mean obviously like with the vinyl mm-hmm. you'll get like cop, a copy of the movie and um mm-hmm. posters and all that stuff but yeah, yeah, yeah. hello what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> my boyfriend just came to film something ah great <laughs> so i'm um, that's cool and um what are your favorite albums recorded and produced and engineered there oh gosh um <laughs> that is a really good question i think um like personally like one of my favorites just because it was the the album that um made me aware the studio was there was the uh, look forward to failure ep from the ataris uh-huh. that i mentioned earlier um i love 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 um Uh, Redemption from Useless ID mm-hmm. is a great record. Um, They have so then, many. I'm watching sorry? the list. I'm watching the list right now. They have so many. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's it's crazy how many. Um, I actually really love uh, Rise Against newest one uh-huh. that they did there too. Um, Nowhere Generation mm-hmm. is great. Um, I just love how it's like I don't know. It feels very stripped down, like back to basics. And um, Jason actually mastered that one, which was cool because they usually would take it somewhere else to master it after mm-hmm. recording there. Um, so it was great to like, see, like finally hear something that he mastered for them for the the final. Uh, I didn't know they did "Come Back Kid," "Wake the Dead." It's one of my favorite albums in the world. Nice. And what's hard with that list, um, and that's what I found out when we were deciding on bands, is a lot of the bands on there um, may have recorded the record there. They may have just had it mastered by the studio yeah. after they recorded it. Like it's so not all of those bands have recorded there but the studio has touched so many records in one way or another it's just crazy to think like yeah all of those bands that It's have a lot. been there 
William Scream is my favorite band in the world. They so they worked on Carry Suicide, Mute Print, probably Runer too, I guess. Probably all the records. Body Crusher, and I'm not sure. Yeah, hmm. they've done a lot of stuff with Wilhelm Scream. I know yeah. that that's one of the bands that they're they're really close with. Um, yeah, great. They work on some ska music too, like Mustard Plug a lot. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mustard Plug, some of the early stuff with them. Uh, Kamiri, the mm -hmm. Japanese ska band, they've done a lot of stuff with them. Oh, yeah. I love this band. So we're Best hoping to, to sit down with Fumio, would be really cool. But oh, yeah. Thank you so much. That was great. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't wait to, to listen to it. Um, so keep me informed about uh the release dates the vinyl release too i'm gonna talk to talk about that uh, on this podcast on my radio show too i think it's gonna be really fun for punk rockers to 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 watch this mm. i think so too and I, i know a lot of people were have been saying for a long time like there needs to be a movie about the studio but yeah. it's hard to convince bill because he doesn't like to like celebrate himself so yeah i get it yeah but he's got it, He's interviewed, like he's, he's, it's not his idea, so maybe, <laughs> right, maybe exactly. he's fine with it now. <laughs> Good. And there's a funny story how that oh, came yeah. to be, but uh, I'll, we can talk about that another time. Oh, if you have time, I, we can. Oh yeah, no, I yeah. Um, it was just, uh, I'd emailed Bill and Jason about doing the story, doing the movie, mm -hmm. and uh, they basically were kind of like not interested, but also didn't say no, just ah. very non-committal about doing it. Um, and then I met, um, do you know the band Red City Radio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Great we band. were shooting um, a show for them in Denver mm -hmm. and uh, Ray Carlisle and uh, John Snodgrass were opening for them. Hmm. So I went up to both of them to ask, hey, do you mind if we, you know, the band asked that we shoot the full set, but are you guys okay with us shooting your sets? Um, and then just let them know, I'm trying to get this Blasting Room film going and you guys are on my list to be able to interview. So if it happens and you hear from me, This is who I am. Um, and John was, John Snodgrass was like, oh, dude, how, where, where are you at with that? And I was like, well, they're not, they don't seem that interested, but they haven't said no. So I don't really know what to do. And um, John's like, oh, no, I, I, I'm friends with those guys. I got, I was just texting Bill this morning and pulls his phone out, show me that he was texting Bill Stevenson that morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then he, like a month later, put me in touch with Kevin, who's been their mm -hmm. unofficial videographer guy. And it was kind of like if, If a movie's happening, Kevin's going to be involved in it. Yeah. Because he's got all the good stuff, right? Um, so all that happened. And then we, um, I met Bill for the first time at Odell Brewing in Fort Collins when they were doing the, the special beer for the show, mm -hmm. uh, brewing that up. And they were like, well, you know, pitch Bill on your idea and tell him what you're, you know, what we were doing with this. And so Bill and I talked and he was on board. And then we were like leaving and he stopped. And he's like, wait a minute. What do you got that emailed me about? <laughs> you realize at this moment, that's great. Right. <laughs> so it was pretty funny. That uh, it just kind of like all still kind of happened. And and then I felt bad. I was like, I hope he doesn't think I like, like oh, bullied my way in or snuck my yeah. way in through the back door or something. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's a good thing overall that you did. <laughs> Even if it yeah. was your intention, it worked. So fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, we're here we are. So I think it's all right. It's but. amazing good yeah. i can't wait to hear all those stories and yeah it's fun. it's fun there's there's a lot of good stuff we've we've gotten so far and uh some of the best stories get told after the cameras get turned off so we gotta yeah. figure out a way to get them to tell them on camera oh yeah it's always like this yeah or if people clam up as soon as the, the lights turn on and yeah so we gotta 
got to take him out for beers after and put the camera on the yeah. table or something. Just hit record. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that could be great. Yeah. Good. You might, could might do, get me in trouble though. I don't know if I. You would could do a drunk version of uh, the Blasting Room <laughs> films. <laughs> Good. That That's was a nice cool. chat. Uh, yeah. Thank Thanks you. for having me on too, and I, I hope I didn't talk too much. I definitely tend oh. to ramble. So. No, it was super fun. It was perfect. <laughs> That was a great chat. I love to interview movie makers, authors, and people who are not directly on the stage necessarily, but who are very passionate about punk rock. And I can't wait to hear this crowd surfing vinyl and to watch the film, of course. I will keep you informed as soon as I have more details. Okay, the last repunctation for today is for the band Bad Advice. They have members in the US and in Germany. I really love their songs. They are so punk, badass. The melodies are catchy. The vocal is really, really energetic. Yeah, they will release a lot of singles until the end of 2021. And they hope to play some shows in early 2022. They recently released a new song called Teenage Suicide, and it's not an unwritten laws cover. <laughs> Let's listen to it. My was only 16 years and few months old. Living in his own world, never did what he was told. One day he took a skateboard and drove it through the night. Bent down to the playground and committed suicide, suicide. Amusement, trying to find a brand new game When you bought before you grew up No one knows just what it's like So no one understands the senseless teenage suicide Suicide
If you want to reach the bands I played today or myself, just check the show notes and all the information are there. On the next episode, I'm going to present you the first part of the interview I made with Intruder Green. He has a podcast. He's also playing in the great band Max Intruders. We had an amazing and hilarious conversation. <laughs> Don't miss this. Until then, punk your life and see you next week. <laughs>